Hey, hey, welcome in to Stub Me Down. My name is JW, and as always, I am joined by my best friend and co-host Skinny. Skinny, say hello to the people. Hey, everybody. I'm ready to continue this conversation today. I'm excited for this second set of Virginia Beach from 1998. Yes, yeah, so today is part two of a conversation we began in our last episode. We are fortunate to have two guests joining us. We have Craig and Carrie from The Lot by Primal Soup, which is a virtual parking lot of small business owners, merch dealers, and other related businesses that you might find on The Lot. And Craig and Carrie have been telling us a little bit about their experience putting together the Lot by Primal Soup, how they got that started. But most importantly, we have been talking about a really awesome fish show. So last episode, we talked about the first set of fish from August 9th, 1998 at the Virginia Beach Amphitheater in Virginia Beach. I think it was called the GTE Virginia Beach Amphitheater back in the late 90s. We today are going to get into the second set, Skinny. There is a lot to talk about, a lot to get into. And of course, as you may have expected when you hear the date, 8998, most people will recognize this show because of the pretty spectacular encore that happened. And just to review the first set, so they opened it up with Punch You in the Eye, Bathtub Gin, The Lizards, Moma Dance, Birds of a Feather, Esther, Rogue, Bouncing Around the Room, and they closed the first set with David Bowie. I am really excited to wrap up this conversation today with Craig and Carrie, two amazing members of our community and some new friends of Stub Me Down. Real quick, just wanted to say how cool it was that Craig and, and Carrie are part of this like online purveyors of things that you would find on a regular lot, which I find fascinating. They also started this idea right around the same time that we started Stub Me Down. They're the first people that we partnered with. So it's just been an amazing ride. And it's not even a year yet. So um, congrats to them and, and congrats to us. So I'm really excited. Yes. Congrats to you, Skinny. <laughs> I said congrats to us. All right. To us. Yeah. Congrats to you. You're part of us. Right. Awesome. All right. Well, Skinny, are you ready to get into the second set of Fish from August 9th, 1998? I am. Let's do this. Now, Craig, you have mentioned that you've done, obviously, you've seen almost 500 shows you don't get to 500 shows without doing entire tours or doing 95% of tours, whether it's fall, summer, you know, winter runs, all of that stuff. Can you talk a little bit about the arc of a tour from, say, the first show, the tour opener to the tour closer? And first of all, we know the band is obviously going to coalesce and, and get tighter and tighter as they go, right? But how does the scene shift and change as a tour progresses and you travel around to different cities, different parts of the country? I guess start with the music. And then if you can expand a little bit into kind of the crowd that the music pulls around with it as you as you travel around the country. 
One of the things I really enjoy about seeing a tour from beginning to end, and I may not always catch all the shows, I might miss a, a couple in, in the middle, but you do get that development of the shows. You know, the first tour opener, we can all say it, we always know it is not the strongest, most cohesive show usually. It's not a bad show. It's just, hey, they're getting their legs underneath them. But the other thing is, is as you go through these uh, tour, very often they'll fall into a particular melody as they're jamming. They kind of drop back into it. And you start to notice notice that, such as, you know, the last, uh, I guess the last time they played a tour was 2019. We had the plasma. Uh, Trey was playing with the plasma as a, as a end of all the songs and stuff and kind of tying us together. But then there's other things that aren't so identifiable as a song that they do it. And those are the things I like to pick out and enjoy. And I always, as I'm, as I'm sitting there, you know, spinning and dancing, I think about that. Oh, they're getting, they're going back into that. And you pay attention because you know that it's almost like a signal. Okay. We're, we're regathering and then going to go off again. Musically. I think that's one of the, the greatest experiences I have when I do an, an entire tour or, or a, a large portion of it. You can capture that on runs too. Fortnite runs at Vegas. You'll catch that as well. If you're, if you're paying attention, you'll see the themes go through it. Something about Going to all the shows, one thing personally I find about it is that I get to see all my friends throughout the country because some of my friends can't go to every show. So I stop in Deer Creek and I catch three more friends I haven't seen for a little while. And then we go on to the next stop and three new people pop in and two people drop off. And you kind of, I really enjoy being that constant of seeing all my friends throughout the entire time uh, because it's, it's tough when, you know, you go to only a, a three night run and just happens to be the one that all your other friends aren't going to. For me personally, I really enjoy that experience of being there and seeing the same faces. You know, I had this conversation with people. Uh, we were at Santa Barbara last time Fish played there. And a person said to me, how many people do you think are on tour, like actually doing all the shows? And we were doing the entire run, or the entire sh- uh, tour. And I said, oh, it must be, you know, 3,000 people. Well, I think the place only holds what? Does anyone know? Is it five, ten thousand people? Yeah, I don't and think it's that big. It's not that big. And he's saying, so you're saying, you know, twenty five percent of these people are at all the shows, and that's when it dawned on me that not everybody does this and goes to every show. So it's kind of it's always interesting to see those familiar faces that you've been seeing from you started on a West Coast and here you are on an East Coast show, and they're still with you. It's that camaraderie that happens with that that arc that goes through it. It's like a micro community within the larger community, right? The hardcores that you're seeing at every stop. You know, that's it. That's an interesting point to look at is, you know, how many people are doing that many shows because it's not easy. I mean, to travel around and, you know, not for nothing, but it ain't free. <laughs> no, it definitely isn't. You point something out there, which is really interesting. And this is probably a, it could be a, a topic for an entire episode another time, but there are all these different subcultures within our culture. You know, Carrie and I, we think we belong to the dancing culture. We are the ones slaying the dance floor in the back, as much room as possible, then there's the other people that want to be up on the rail. And that's perfect. Everyone has their own opinion of what's the greatest. Uh, some people literally just want to be in a seat. Some people want to see. Out of 500 shows, I can't tell you how many times I've seen the band. Not, I really don't see them very much unless there's a reason to look. I know what they look like. I know what they look like. Uh, but there are all these subcultures. And it's really interesting that no one is better than the other. They're just different. We are uh, a culture of dance people. We are the, part of the same tribe <laughs> that you guys are part of. We will definitely be seeing you this summer. Yeah, we definitely hang in the back areas, maybe more towards Corona or whatever, to the right or left, you know, depending on the night and stay back there because there's all kinds of room. 
I don't like nuts to butts. I just don't do it. I'm six foot two and have a really long wingspan. And when I put those arms out, I need a little bit of space. Yeah, we, we got a couple of tall guys in, in our crew too. So we make sure we can solidify our space. Although it's it's not really our space. It's everybody's space. We're just borrowing it for a little while. <laughs> so Craig, out of 500 shows, have you ever gone to a fish show and gotten shut out? Never. Wow. Impressive. Never. And I and I think I'm going to break this record, this tour, and I don't really, it's not a record I want to have, but I've only paid over face value once for a ticket. Wow. And that was accidentally, my wife and I both got the national and I was like, no, you got the tickets. And she said, no, 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 you got the tickets. And then we both neither had tickets. So we had to go to StubHub, but I'm, uh, I'm, if anyone's got the extra tickets to Halloween, we're always looking. <laughs> Dude, everybody's looking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody's looking. Yeah. Everybody's looking. So, Carrie, I have to ask this because when I'm in the lot prior to a show, like I'm mentally and physically gearing up to go and dance and have a good time and make sure I catch up with everybody that I want to see, especially as Craig was referring to, you get to different tour stops and you know that people are only catching one or two in that spot. So it becomes a priority to meet up with those people. You're working. When you get into the show, how hard is it to kind of switch gears from like, I'm working, I am hanging out, but I'm also have to be responsible to then shutting that down and then going into the show and trying to maximize your enjoyment while the music's playing? It's, it's really easy for me. I've gotten really good at, I'm done. I've worked really hard to get to where I'm at. This is my enjoyment. And I know that those couple hours that's the only break I'm going to get because right after the show, I'm going right back at it where then we're going to the hotel. I'm getting as much sleep as possible because I'm up bright and early the next day to get in line, to get my spot. And it's gotten really easy for me to appreciate that time. And I've gotten really selfish with that time. I'm lucky that I've been doing this long enough. I know where my friends are going to be. I could roll in there at any time by myself and I pretty much know where everyone's going to be. And I know that once I get to them, it's on like it's dance party. I don't have to worry about anything else until maybe right around encore when I'm thinking about, okay, I need to maybe cut loose out of here a little bit early and <laughs> my responsibilities might be coming to get me again. But I'm so thankful that all that hard work leading up to the show, that that's my reward. And I just love it so much. And it's become such a part of my release of just the day-to-day -to, -day, to just drop all the worries, all the concerns. I don't think about how much I sold that day or how I'm going to, you know, deal with the next day or bills at home or kids at home. It's, it's done. It's over. And it's like my church. So I really learned to give it that respect and that time. And it's all about the dance party and getting lost in the music and, and giving myself that, that gift. That's a great way to look at it. I was going to say that maybe we have to end the show because she completely answered our philosophical <laughs> questions. <laughs> maybe they weren't that hard. <laughs> Skinny, you got anything before we um, drop into the second set here? No, man. I'm going to read that second set to you right now. Everybody ready? Yes. They open up with a little bit of banter. We can talk about that if you want to. I mean, sometimes I'm not really into them talking to me. But anyway, <laughs> ACDC bag, sparkle, run like an antelope, Brian and Robert, waste, somewhere over the rainbow, 
You Enjoy Myself, Frankenstein, Chalk Dust Torture, Hello My Baby, and then The Writing's on the Wall. The Encore is a Terrapin. I mean, do I, I guess I'll say a Terrapin station. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I'm going to say about this is I really like the second set a lot. I liked it as much as I liked the first. I, again, will go back to this very melodic show. So I guess what I'm going to ask Craig is second set, they open up with like a 14 minute, 15 minute ACDC bag, which upon re-listen, the middle of that takes off from where the first four songs of that melodic, like you said, subterfuge of funk, but it's well played. And they do that in the middle of the ACDC bag just to start it right off. So, you know, what, what are your thoughts about just the beginning of that set to well, the one thing I'm going to start with is banter. You can either take it or leave it. With that banter on this one here, Trey talks about, hey, turn around and look to see what we're always looking at. And Carrie pointed this out, and I remember this. There was a giant full moon that night, and that's what was up in the sky. And so, you know, that, that banter was uh, interesting because it was what they were saying. Uh, you know, there are times in, in history when Trey would go off for five or six minutes and ramble about God knows what in the middle of a harpua. And that was okay, but if you listen back, he got lost quite a bit. And I could see where it gets to be a little much, but that was something really, really beautiful of him sharing with us what he was experiencing. But you are right, that ACDC bag was so funky. Um, ACDC bag is not my favorite song. It's usually an opener uh, of a first set, which gives me a little energy, you know, little times to get, get my legs under me and kind of get warmed up. This one, though, you know, I as I've gotten older, I started to realize that all songs are just a vessel to take you to jam land. And, you know, they've taught us that over and over again. If you think you're going to go to the bathroom for that song that you think is the one that's your bathroom song, they're going to screw you and throw something in there. Yeah. And, and that's funny about that because that's definitely happened to me. But also that ACDC bag has hints of the really impressive Dayton one from 97 where they go into Psycho Killer. And you can almost hear some kind of talking heads in the middle of that little bit of like funk breakdown. It's just a great jam. So if you haven't listened to that one, I highly suggest it. So on re-listen, I was like really happy about that bag. And as far as the banter is concerned, I just want, I have, just get the show started. Come on. I've already clapped. Like, come on. <laughs> come on, guys. <laughs> Skinny wants music, and then he wants more music, and don't get in the way of that. The interesting thing, Skinny, you were talking about the ACDC bag and hearing other things, so I heard something in there, too. I was like, what is that? And so I looked it up, and Fishnet has the Electric Funeral Black Sabbath tees in there, and I'm terrible at that. So I actually today... I listened to the ACDC bag and then I went and listened to Black Sabbath Electric Funeral and I'm like hitting pause on the ACDC bag and playing the electric and I couldn't figure it out for the fucking life of me and Skinny hears an I Know You Rider and like every other jam that Fish plays <laughs> I'm hearing we talked about this in one of our earlier episodes we did a Trey Anastasio band show and I'm hearing like an antelope in the middle of like a money loving change or something like that. I don't remember what the specific note was. I couldn't figure out that that was a Black Sabbath electric funeral tease, but it's in there. But I don't always hear those things. So it's a, it's a big joke for me when I see those because then I go back and I listen and I'm like, uh, no, I'm not hearing it. <laughs> That's not true. I hear a lot of stuff that nobody else does. Like, 
I mean, when I'm listening to music, not just all the time. <laughs> they go into a sparkle, which is always a fun romp around. I, I love how they fast pace that and the whole crowd. If you listen to that, it gets kind of weird in your brain when the whole crowd is actually singing that. It's a lot of fun. This one's no different than any other sparkle I've heard. I love sparkle. Are you even a fish fan if you don't like sparkle? I do not like sparkle. It is this, it is repetitive. It's the same. And as a, as a dancer, I feel like what all it's doing is burning up all my energy in two and a half minutes. So I usually just take a step back. And just and I just let everyone else take over and and let it go. Well, then you must not like Susie Greenberg, then. <laughs> I love Susie. I love Susie. Well, the first time I saw Susie with with horns, so I still hear the horns in my head every time I hear it. Oh wow! We can't get derailed here. It's it's happening already. Yes. After that sparkle, they run into a very nice run like an antelope. And then these are the next two songs, Brian and Robert and Waste. And I just want to say this because, Carrie, I'll ask you about what your experience is. If you remember, wait a minute, the Brian and Robert, the Waste, then the Somewhere Over the Rainbow, I'll just do four in a row. And I'll talk about them very quickly. I listened to this entire four song quadrilogy. <laughs> That's three songs. Waste. Oh. Right Robert Waste and Somewhere in the Rainbow is three. God, sorry. I don't know. I'm not a mathematician. Anyway, that pocket of songs, I have never heard versions like that. Now, when we uh, had an earlier episode this year, we talked about sustained notes and things that I had never heard on slower melody tunes. But from that Brian and Robert to that Waste and to that Somewhere Over the Rainbow is actually some really, really great Trey playing. And now, was that something, too? Because that's a slowdown. You know, some people are going to go to the bathroom. Some people are entranced on the lawn. I know I would be. I would not be going anywhere. <laughs> some people are going to be having conversations. Carrie, what's that feeling like with that pocket of songs right there? Because I probably would have been pretty entranced by what they were doing right there. And I was on Relisten anyway, so. Yeah, I think it was a perfect moment for all of us, again, just to kind of regroup and take a breath and enjoy what they were doing. Along with the theme that we've talked about before, there was such a delicateness with each of that. And it was played flawlessly and so smooth. And you could tell they were enjoying playing those songs. Trey was really enjoying himself. I'm not going to say I'm the biggest fan of Brian and Robert. It's a great song. It's not one that I typically get, you know, super excited about. Same with Waste. It's a lovely song and, and I enjoy it, but there was such a delicateness about it and it came at such a perfect timing for everyone because we had just got done raging and it really gave us that grounding space. Um, the Somewhere Over the Rainbow that was a bit too much for me. You know, it kind of took me back to childhood memories and it was so sweet and it was just, it was playful and very smooth, very delicate. And they just, I felt like they were babying that song. Like they were just being so gentle with it. And then to have that then drop into You Enjoy Myself was just perfection. I really loved the transition and I just, I thought it was all around really great placement for all of it. And that's what I talk about a lot. Josh and I talk about this one where it shows us this placement. I felt like everything, even though you don't like Sparkle, Craig, everything in this set was perfectly placed. I mean, Craig, do you feel that same way? Yeah, so I, I want to go back to that antelope. It, we, we do not get mid-set antelopes enough. We always get them as a set ender. 
very often. Occasionally we'll get him as an opener, but it's it, that mid-set was just perfect placement. Right after the sparkle, they just blasted us and then dropped us gently down into the, the Brian Robert waist and, and somewhere over the rainbow. And one thing I, I, I am aware of, and it took me a while to figure this out, when fish gets quiet, listen. Because when they drop it down in, in, in energy, it's still there, it's just at a different tone. And this one was, it actually brought tears to my eyes. Um, I was listening to it on Relisten, and uh, my wife and I for our wedding, had waist as our first dance. I literally had to walk in there. She's like, what's up? And I just gave her a big old hug because it just brought me back to, and I was dating her at the time she was at that show with me. Um, and so just that that feeling really came back to me that that was going on there. And that somewhere over the rainbow is just, was just so beautiful. And as, as Carrie said, so delicate. And Carrie, you said when we, when we met previously, you said that that was maybe a little bit of a nod to the Virginia Beach show in 97. Yeah, um, the year prior when they played Virginia Beach, um, anyone that was there could tell you about the storms and the rain. And it was, you know, the clouds opened, they dumped on us. And then it was just the most gorgeous rainbow directly above the stage. Um, and it was one of those moments I've been talking about it now and I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. And I think the band has a tendency to do that. They like taking us on a little bit of a walk down memory lane and adding in little breadcrumbs from years previous. And so that was the first thing um, that came to mind during that show was, oh, that rainbow last year, and now they're doing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. So yeah, I think it, you know, just one of those things with fish that we can expect from them. Yeah, they, they managed to hit those notes in the right way they played a great bathtub gin from that show as well there's a great stop start jam but that's a really sick bathtub gin i do find that symmetry something that you have to be people like us to kind of get into to that mindset of the symmetry of it right and for me when you told me that story that they playing somewhere over the rainbow and there had been you know this beautiful rainbow that everybody was a part of the year before that is one of those things that just, it brings that positive energy and that feeling from one year into another year. And I think that that's one of my favorite things about fish is how they do manage, whether it's a bust out or whether it's crowd participation, whatever it is, they reach back out into the crowd that has been along for the ride and we're all in on the joke. We're all in on the message. We're all in on the energy and the enjoyment and the vibe. You know, I'm sure that that happens to some extent with other bands, but not like this. You know, I mean, I'm sure the Grateful Dead aside, obviously, I would say that they probably are the originators of this type of community feel, but I think Fish has continued to evolve that as well. Hey, don't you remember in the very first Jurassic Park, like when the Velociraptors are jumping at the gates? It's like they remember. <laughs> I think there were four of them. So it's like, you know, it's the craziest shit ever, dude. And and that throwback that you guys just mentioned there is like, yes, that's what they do. I Sometimes I get it. Sometimes I don't. But it's it's the best. They really do talk to it. They communicate with us so much and not just always through the music. I mean, we know about the secret language and the, the different things that they've done to interact with us. But that interaction, I mean, I, I can't speak for them, but it seems to be very important to them because they do it all at the big ball jam. Anytime where they can have that community where they can you know express themselves to us, whether it be through music. Playing chess. 
are playing chess. Absolutely. There's all these different things. And I feel like, you know, them flashing back to the year before is just another element of that. It absolutely is. So after those romps, they go into a really nice, you enjoy myself, Frankenstein, Chalk Dust Torture. And listen, I'm just going to let you guys know right now. We're not talking about Hello, My Baby. <laughs> that might be another serious phobia. The Barbershop Quartet. I, I can't take it. But You Enjoy Myself is nice. It's at a 17-minute ride, which is actually, I think, a little bit short, but it's a really good one. Uh, and the outro, uh, which we've had conversations with people that don't like the outro, I'm not a huge fan of it myself. I get the ambiance of it from Fish. This is a little bit of a different one at the end of this. So uh, you should go back and listen to it because the outro to that is a little bit different. And the lead up to the Frankenstein is really sick. I mean, Craig, tell us about that transition because you were there. Carrie, you were too. Yes. So the, the thing that I remember from that vocal jam and going back on, on Relisten really brought this out. Are you familiar with the, the song Several Species of Small Furry Animals Gathered Together in a Cave and Grooving with a Picked from Pink Floyd? No. No. <laughs> it's a song of just animal noises. And it's, and it's all these whispers. Go back and listen to it. It's an incredibly weird song. And what I can remember when I had I had headsets on listening to this again, and the, the whispers and the little chat, you hear Trey saying something repetitively, and you can't understand what it is, but it was very Pink Floyd-esque in that. And it was not the, you know, with the ah, up and down with the lights. It wasn't that kind of vocal jam. It was something very unique. And then you're right, that transition off into Frankenstein was like, okay, we got that, we did that, now we're getting ready to rock this down for the rest of the set. There was like a whistling that kind of started and then it went into that vocal jam, but then it kind of went into like this feedback, series of like feedback loops and sounds that they were running. And then all of a sudden it was da na 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 and they drop into the Frankenstein. Listening to this, obviously you know that the Frankenstein is coming, but as soon as that drop hits, it's like, you want to rage. You, I mean, that is just, I think it goes with the theme of this show, the very melodic show and their ability to bring it up and then bring it down slowly and level it out and then bring it back up at a frighteningly quick pace and it catches you by surprise sometimes too and uh, i think they definitely did that here they definitely hit the turbo boost button is what that was that was a note i made to myself as frankenstein and the chalk dust was just like into overdrive from a vocal jam just off and then and there they went yeah and then that chalk dust too is what a great way to end the set. Like a lot of times that's a mid second set or even mid first, you know, sometimes I think maybe an open, but you know, whatever. Yeah, they put chalk dust wherever the fuck they want. It goes everywhere. Yeah. Just everywhere. Right. Yeah. Wherever they want it. Listen, I told you what we were skipping and I'm never going to mention it again. Let's talk about the Terrapin station, which is the encore. And I know that there are stories about Terrapin Station out there. And I know that there is a story about how Fish in and of itself came to decide that they were going to do that. Now, I don't remember the particular story. I'd have to go back and read it. But I guess I'll start with Carrie and then I'll go to Craig. And I'm just going to say this. How do you feel? I mean, Goosebumps maybe is, I don't know. You might have to come up with some better descriptors. So this is going to be a lot of pressure. <laughs> Because I would I would die if I was there. I was a huge deadhead. If I was there and I was into fish at the time, which I was not, it was a little bit late, but that's fine. 
I would have died if I was into them as much as I got into them my first two or three years. And just like what happens? Because I can hear it on re-listen, but I want to know what happens with you. And then Craig, you'll you'll have the latter. Yeah, it was it was one of those moments where none of us knew what was what was gonna happen. You know, we we'd just gotten through second set, we're waiting for the encore, and it was like any other show. And then I remember I was standing there and first couple of chords hit and there was a, I could hear a guy next to me, like kind of in a distance. And he just started screaming, Terrapin, Terrapin. And we were all like, yeah, right. You know, no way. And then literally within a few seconds, we were like, oh my God, like this is, and you were just, it was all consuming. I think this is a good spot to just pause for one second and just listen to those opening notes in the crowd reaction. I mean, that just gives you goosebumps listening to it. I wasn't there. You guys were there. So I, I know how I feel. I can't imagine how you feel. And then you're, you know, maybe you're feeling the feeling you forgot on re-listen going back to it. Craig, what was your, you saw the Grateful Dead back in the day so you can kind of talk a little bit about the arc and fish generally avoided grateful dead material and really didn't like the comparison and there was even a little bit of standoffishness i would say after the dead were no longer and jerry had died i feel like there was even a little bit of standoffishness between old school deadheads and fish heads about everybody was very fierce about our music's different than yours even though the scenes were very similar and and that's what you know you even hear today oh they're like the grateful dead well they were like the grateful dead but not really you know so as a deadhead how did you feel when you realized what was happening it was a rush of emotion, you know, knowing what the day was was commemorating. It was, you know, the, the, the anniversary of Jerry's death. So it was this sadness, but then it was this emotional upheaval. And, and all I know is I just wanted, I wanted that music all over me. I just wanted to be in it. And that was just fantastic, you know, and um, you know, I really listened back today and, and before Jerry passed, the vocals got a little bit rougher. I don't mean to be critical, but if you listen to earlier Grateful Dead, it was a little crisper and cleaner. And I hadn't heard a Terrapin, I, you know, kind of was fading away from listening to as much Dead. And to hear Trey's vocals and how crystal clear and beautiful. And the, it, to me, it was the perfect tribute to the Grateful Dead. They weren't trying to duplicate it. They were, you know, doing a tribute to them. And I just remember standing there and I don't know if I was really crying per se. I don't know if I was teary-eyed, but I was emotional. Got real dusty real quick, I bet. Yeah. All those people dancing, a lot of dust. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was going to say that you guys had expressed how at Virginia Beach there was like this level of discomfort. The things that were happening the night before, when you're driving into the show at Virginia Beach, it's tense, there's tension. We described early on like how there's been tension in those scenes over the course of many, many years and in just as, in society in general. So like, Carrie, at that moment when you finally realize that this is dropping down on you, now what's your feeling about everything that you knew or experienced? Um, it didn't exist. I was in that moment. Um, it was one of those moments where you get, like I said before, it's all consuming. Not only are you being carried away and swept away by this music, but you're getting carried away and swept away by the emotion and the releasing of that tension and that nervousness and that anticipation of what what are we going to walk out of when we come we knew what we walked you know into the show what we were leaving so any thought of what's it going to be like afterwards it didn't exist in my mind i was in that moment and it was delicious and wonderful and um, an amazing experience i mean that's what we're all searching for right yeah to be so grounded and present i'll tell you what something like this and you know what? Fish was not showing off. They, Trey was not trying to wail or take some crazy licks. They played this very close to the vest as far as the format of Terrapin Station, the song. The vocals were great. It was a perfectly played version of this. And Craig, like you said, I think it was a really amazing tribute to the Grateful Dead by Fish on a solemn occasion. And I mean, shit, you're only talking three years at that point. That's not a long time. Obviously now Jerry's been dead for a long time, but that is still a very short time. And for them to come out and do that, especially after the show that they had just played. I mean, that is literal icing on the cake, man. And I challenge you, deadheads. I'm one too. I'm your people. I'm your ilk. I challenge you. That's a really well-played version of Terrapin Station. It's great. It's it's so solid. Yes, like Josh said, it doesn't take you out there. That's what they did. And I remember seeing an eyes estimated Terrapin in, in Pittsburgh. It just blew my mind. But that's what they could do. Fish is just saying, this is our tribute to it. And it's so, I'm not gonna say flawless. I, again, we, we talk about that all the time, I don't know. But I know to my ear, it's a really, really damn good version. So let me just run through that second set. So there was a little bit of banter about Trey. Craig pointed out what they see as opposed to the audience. And then an ACDC bag, Sparkle, Run Like an Antelope, Brian and Robert, Waste, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, You Enjoy Myself, Frankenstein, Chalk Dust Torture, and Hello, my baby. Your favorite. <laughs> but they made up for it with the encore. <laughs> Terrapin Station. I mean, who doesn't like Terrapin Station? Awesome. I find as I was going through this and listening to these, and after we had talked the other day, I went back and listened to the show a couple more times and was going through my notes. And Skinny will tell you, I, I have this tendency to look for themes through some of these shows and we went into this with this idea of we're looking at the music experience the concert going experience as a two event 
type of thing, the lot being the pre-game, the pre-party. But I don't even, I wouldn't even call it a pre-game because it is such a big, it's not like having a couple of beers before you go to the bar, right? It's, it's an event in and of itself. And then you've got the show. And so then I'm looking and listening through and I started to pick out from the set. So the gin, we're all in this together and we love to take a bath. The lizards, surrender to the flow. Birds of a feather, flocking outside. Esther, we're at a carnival with maybe some sketchy people walking and standing next to Christian. You know, there's also kind of the mob rule of the congregation trying to get Esther's doll. The circus is the place for me in Rogue. Run like an antelope out of control. All of these things that kind of build this whole message and kind of sense of symbolism that go in with this show along with kind of what the experience is maybe not in isolation for this particular show or the night before but overall the circus the group that follows this band that creates this community that creates the sub communities that comes together to commiserate to celebrate to do economics you know to share ideas and enjoyment and a space and it really all comes together with this show in both the inside of the venue and the outside of the venue and i really am just so excited that you guys were able to join us today and give us that perspective in light of the fact that we haven't had the lot experience i mean we're starving for it it's going to be unbelievable i mean talk about a release when we get back on tour and it will be not only the release of those first notes when lights go down but it will be the release of when you get into your parking spot and you open the door and you open the tailgate and you crack that beer and you start celebrating with the people around you and you guys really brought that to life today for us and that's something that we have not really visited at all i mean to talk about things kind of in the periphery on previous episodes of stummy down but you guys really brought that together and we're just both so grateful for you joining us today and talking about this really bombshell. Yeah, I just have a lot of gratitude for that too. I think when we first started this, we wanted to talk to like-minded people about things like this. And this conversation, I have to believe is up there with one of our best. We have another one that's in store for you that I think you guys will like and will be familiar with. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on our show. And, and we're really appreciative. And we're also pretty excited to meet everybody in person getting tired of this like virtual shit oh. <laughs> what am I, I my last name is anderson i feel like i'm the guy from the matrix like <laughs> this is bullshit <laughs> so but thank you so much if you guys want to just give where we can find you guys where people can visit the lot whether it's social media handles websites carrie please plug your own shop also let us know what shows you're going to be on tour so people can try and uh, stop by and see you and scoop some of that gear absolutely you can find us at the lot by or couchlot.com figure that one's a little bit easier to remember you could also find us on facebook instagram and twitter and what we're also going to do many of us are going to be at all the shows i'll be at arkansas through deer creek and then to dicks i go carrie can tell you about hers but what we're also going to be doing is our vendors that are on the lot by primal soup are going to be parking together um, and so we're going to have kind of a presence together as well as we'll be handing out stickers for all of you. Come on by and get some free stickers for your water bottle of the lot by Primal Soup. 
And thank you so much for having us. We really, really do appreciate it. This has been a really good time. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having us and giving us this opportunity to talk to you about this. I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, this summer, you can find me Deer Creek through AC, and then I'll be out for Dick's. And I'm going to try and hit some shows on the fall run. We're hoping maybe Phoenix through Vegas and get out there and do some traveling with that. Um, but you can find my gear on Etsy. Um, you can go to my shop at msblissdesigns.com, msblissdesigns.com. So thank you guys so much. Awesome. Well, I will also mention that we got the Stum Me Down stickers, our current merch. We have stickers, just so you guys know. We have stickers. We have uh, some Stubby Down stickers. We got them through the lot. So that was a connection that Craig hooked us up with early on, which was great. And Rosen Bolt was something I mentioned on a previous episode. They are also, I guess, on the lot as well. And I got my wife the Rosen Bolt necklace, which she absolutely loves. And the things that I have seen, quality merch, obviously great people that are involved. And one of the things that Skinny and I are all about is promoting the community and small business and everything that goes into that because... I think we've lost a lot of that in the Amazon Walmart world that we live in. And not for nothing, we like our fresh gear, hats, t-shirts, you know, I need to fresh you up. I haven't been on a lot and like since summer 2019, man, I need to gear up. So that's the beauty of the lot by primal soup. You could do, you could shop a lot anytime, anywhere. That's exactly right. So check these guys out the lot by primal soup. We are so grateful for you guys joining us here on stub me down. It's always awesome to make some new friends and support the community that we all love. And that means so much to us. Skinny, what else you got? Yeah, I just wanted to also back that up. Not only do we partner with the Lot by Primal Soup, which we're so excited about, and also having them on our show, but Fan Designs, P-H-A-N-D-E-S-I-G-N-Z, Scott Mitchell. He has great stuff over there, too. And it's not just uh, one thing oriented. He's got shirts, hats, great quality, and gets good reviews. And then the last thing is Jamazon.com. Jamazon.com is really, they got some good hats too, man. So I'm not trying to have everybody compete against each other or whatever. I'm not Willie Loman from Death of a Salesman. All right. I'm just a guy telling people, you know, you might like their stuff. So we like everybody and I hope they like us and check those guys out. But definitely after listening to this episode, check out Carrie's stuff. Craig can hook you up too. Uh, if you talk to him about dealing with that virtual lot on the internet, he might be somebody to talk to too. So always reach out to us and we're really happy that you listen. Yeah. And one last, well, two last things. Number one, Carrie, I already threw this idea out there, but I went to my first goose show not too long ago and somewhere mid first set, as I look up into the sky, there are these two geese flying in formation and I started yelling, release the geese. And so now I'm promoting somebody that we partner with. Let's see a shirt, release the geese, make a, make a goose t-shirt. And the other thing, I think I just completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> You're so excited about the shirt. <laughs> I was very excited about the shirt. Uh, must not have been very important or you wouldn't have forgotten. Yeah, no, I don't remember what the other thing was. Fuck. All right. All right. Well, cool. <laughs>
Uh, thanks, guys, so much. Yeah, thank you guys so much. We really appreciate you joining us here on Stub Me Down. If you want to continue the conversation with us, you can check us out on Twitter. We are at stub underscore me underscore down. And we are also on Instagram at the same address, stub underscore me underscore down. We can't wait to see you on tour. And we will see you the next time you need to get out of your shitty seats and down in the path. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Carrie. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. See you, everybody. See you on tour.